0: The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. When I talk all things financial, oftentimes I get people who have strong opinions stocks versus bonds, bonds versus real estate. And then you can get into all sorts of other ideas like investing in baseball cards, Pokemon cards. Um, There's there, there's a lot going on out there. Joining me now, CFP, Chad Burton, to talk about the long-term fight. Who's right? Stocks versus bonds versus real estate. Because in the Bay Area when I moved here, I found people loved real estate. And if I ever said anything slightly negative like it's a liability, I'd get death threats. Um, which is pretty insane. Chad, do you have an opinion? Stocks, bonds, real estate? Uh,
1: The math is pretty simple, Rob. The only way that real estate keeps up with or exceeds stocks over time is by a heck of a lot more risk and effort. I mean, it's, it's pretty plain and simple because if people truly analyze their returns, if they had a property and every time they had to do something to maintain that property... Every time they paid taxes, every time they had to fix something, um, you, you see what I'm getting at? Yeah, it it yeah. just reduces your actual return in the long run.
0: If I could interrupt you for a second, there was a great New York Times article, probably about 10 years ago, that compared real estate for 40 years to the stock market for 40 years. And it's basically said, if you start with $10,000, $10,000 until House in New York, San Francisco, LA, or Chicago, markets that have seen great appreciation... <laughs> or $10,000 in the stock market and you just let them run for 40 years. The stock market beat real estate by four times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people won't believe that because of the leverage and other issues.
1: Well, it, and it's because it's a tangible asset, right? So you can okay. say, "Oh, my mom and dad paid 100 grand for this house. It's selling for 1.3 million, right? Okay, well, your they dad paid must it. be ghetto. my dad's got a $2 million house on 10,000,
0: but I'm kidding. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, no, I get, but they, they think of that massive amount of appreciation, but how many times was that home remodeled? How many times did something break and the water heater, whatever it may be. Right. So to maintain it all. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and while, I I still love real estate. I still own investment properties, right? Because my plan, I don't right now I don't see bonds returning to a, a point where I can consider them as a huge amount of income, right? I still have a little bit of bonds in my portfolio. You know, I'm under 50, so I don't need a lot of bonds in my portfolio, but I have a little bit in my 401k for when markets correct. They tend to go up, and then I can sell those and buy more stocks, just a part of rebalancing. Mm -hmm. And you need more of that as you get closer and closer to retirement. So you have something to either sell and live off of or sell and buy on the cheap when the market cracks. So they're still a very important part of a portfolio. Don't get me wrong. They're just not producing five to 6% income like they used to. It's more like two and a half to three and a half, maybe four on a long term bond, if that's somewhat safe.
0: Do you think bonds will have their day again
1: when they're more like five, 6%? Yeah, I mean, it's going to take a while, though, because even though rates are too low right now and they need to go up a bit because we're starting to see the signs of inflation, there is so much freaking debt in this country that the the government can't afford the rates to go back up to where it were. They have to get this debt in control. That's sad. It's a problem. So because of currency issues, you can't let the dollar – if interest rates here go up too high, then all this money from overseas piles into the dollar. The dollar becomes too strong, and then – The U.S. doesn't want that because then people don't buy our goods and services, mostly our services, right? Because let's produce it. We're we're a service-based economy. And so our economy can slow down. So there's this whole game of currencies and interest rates and things like that. So no, I don't see it going back up to where it was pre-Great Recession in 06 anytime soon. But I do see them going a little bit higher. My personal plan that, because I love what I do, but I just want to get to the point where I know the income from my real estate and the dividends from my stocks are enough for me to live off of. And I'm happy that way. I don't have to ever worry about selling anything. I just live off my dividends from my stocks, which tend to go up if you're buying dividend achiever stocks Um, and real estate, which tends to go up because you're supposed to increase your rents every year to keep up with inflation.
0: Let's talk about that because I think it's a big Bay area problem. and It's a big problem for people who have real estate who are in love with real estate. They put a renter in and it's a million dollar home or a 2 million dollar home, it's a million dollar home and they're not getting 2 to 3% returns.
1: Um, so if you're getting I mean if you're getting that much return on, on real estate after a giant price appreciation, that is a waste of money in my opinion.
0: Would you sell?
1: I after would definitely look for under okay. Yeah, I mean if I if I'm in the bay area and I'm I've got something that once I pay my my uh Taxes and property manager and all that stuff, okay. my net income is like two or three percent I'm looking for a ten thirty one exchange opportunity outside of the bay Area or somewhere else but it's it's expensive everywhere right now. Um, I was telling people to go into the northwest, but you know we could you could easily get six percent plus for a while and now it's under four because prices have gone up so far, so someone's gonna have to give somewhere right either. It's not like rents can go up because the people that are renting haven't had the price the, or the wage increases. Yeah. Um, But interest rates will go up and prices will get pushed down.
0: I've, so, I've heard uh, some th- more bad news for interest recently is that potential home buyers are saying they're giving up and they're saying, well, let's just rent. So the the forever renters are now competing with. The people who want it to buy and leave the renting area to create more supply for the renters—it's—it's it's frustrating, right? But at mm-hmm. the same time, you're looking for rate of returns that are realistic and can keep up with markets and keep up with inflation.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think the—the idea is the first thing you do is you go, okay, if I if I bought this thing for all cash, yeah. this home for all cash, and just pretend you do that, and it's the easier math. And you rent it out for a certain amount and then you set aside a certain amount, usually one or two percent for maintenance that will ebb and flow. You know, you might not have any maintenance for two or three years, and all of a sudden you got to replace something major. Yep. And then you set aside some property manager fees, because I'm not getting the call when the plumbing's down, I'm not doing the credit checks, I'm not doing the, the the lease agreements and all that crap. Um, so and then you set the insurance taxes, all that kind of stuff. If you can't have you know, 4% on an asset that requires a ton of risk. Cause you can have a renter that squats. They they don't do anything. All of a sudden they go in there. I've seen homes where it took a year to get the person out that was not paying rent. So you have tons of risk. It's a, not a liquid investment stocks. You can push a button and sell immediately. That does not happen with real estate right now. It's a seller's market. So it's, it's much easier, but we've been in buyers markets before
0: we're down to our last well, minute you, any final thoughts stocks bonds you, real estate
1: well I, I love it but if you can't pass that four percent rate i would pass on the property and oh. we actually have software that analyzes people's rental portfolios because we get to a point in time where eventually you might have to sell to create more liquidity and you better target which ones are the best ones to sell you, here's an honest
0: admission i've got a rental property in north carolina that i don't want to run that software analysis of it's available to me at ep wealth i don't want to run it because i think it's going to tell me that i should sell it
1: <laughs> Why don't you sell it then? It's kind of a
0: shame thing. Mm. I kind of want to like hide it and like, eh, I've had it for 20 years. I'm smarter than everyone else. and But that's also the psychology of where you get messed up in financial planning. I think the software is better than the, the raw black emotion.
1: Yep. You know what I see too? People fall in love with their renters and they, they kind of give them way too good of a deal for way too many years and then kind of cost them their, their returns. But if you can afford it, fine. Be charitable. If not, raise the rents. I love it.
0: Coming this summer to a theater near you, Slumlord Burton. (laughs) Anyhow, thanks for joining me. It's CFP Chad Burton. He has a wonderful podcast, New Focus on Wealth. It's at Spotify. It's at iTunes. It's wildly popular. Um, Lots of financial information, lots of living life, large and well information. He's combining the two intelligently. You can find him at ChadBurton.com. That's ChadBurton.com. Podcast, downloadables, all sorts of good stuff there. I'm Rob Black. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in, Rob Black and Your Money. I think I have got the greatest job. I know it kind of sucks that I have to get up early and I don't get to feed my kids breakfast, take them to school and things like that. But I want to say thank you because I think I have the greatest job and it's because of the listeners. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner with EP Wealth. He and I have worked together for 25 years or so, roughly, um, and it's continuing on strong. Quick question for you, Chad. Um, This is going to sound kind of odd, right? Alex Trebek, how long do you think he, he uh, was on Jeopardy? Oh my gosh, 20 years? 36 years. 36 years? Wow. Pat Sajak, how long do you think he's been on Wheel of Fortune?
1: I think that's longer.
0: 38 years. Do you know what the <laughs> wow. advice? I don't want my kids to grow up to be cowboys. I don't want my kids to grow up to be CEOs. I want my kids to grow up to be game show hosts. Because A, I don't have to send them to college, which is going to cost a lot of money, $250,000. And B, it seems like you could do that job forever and ever.
1: Yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, I, I don't know what's left. I don't watch any game shows anymore. Are they still going on? I don't know. What I'm trying to get at is a
0: conversation with the one, the only certified financial planner, Chad Burton, about careers and cost of college and kids mm. and things that we don't really necessarily think about. The person who's made the most money ever on Jeopardy was Alex Trebek. He's, he's the biggest winner of all because of the income. Um, college cost. I, I once got into some heat on this show because I said, I want not send my kid to college to be a poetry major. Um, and I had to go to management and get scolded for that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> really? i stand I'm, by I'm that. You. I'll stand by I'm that. I'm
0: with you. But uh, what do you think about college cost and, and future careers? And what, what advice would you be throwing down right now for uh, people? <laughs>
1: It's funny we're talking about I was talking about this with a buddy the other day um where <laughs> he unfortunately ended up uh dating somebody that went to school a couple different times and is like on the third degree and this time it's for physical therapy, so the amount of debt that's being piled on okay. for a new degree on on something that typically offers less than six figure income okay he he might not marry this person because of the massive amount of educational debt that's not coinciding with the income that can be created because he just he doesn't want that stress. I
0: know someone who,
1: and I hope they're not listening to the show right now. Oh, well, I got, I just I got an, to put I got my foot the I hope they're not listening to the series too.
0: So I, oh, I know a family friend that the dad was super wealthy and mm-hmm. the kid kind of dropped out of college to start a butchering shop, a butcher in LA. Mm-hmm. That didn't work out, so he got into ice cream. That didn't work out, so he got into another thing. And it, eventually, his, his wife left him because mm-hmm. it was, it was yep. clear that he was never going to have a career and that he was kind of one of those forever dreamers. And he spent his daddy's money, ultimately, for lack of a better phrase, trying to figure out a career. But, and again, we have kids. We want to push them in the right direction. So I, I think that's the, the purpose of this segment.
1: Yeah. And it's the the first thing that you need to do is put your retirement first. Cause like I said, well said. Like I've said before, it's easy to borrow money to get through your education and then find ways to pay it back. You cannot borrow your way through retirement. Okay. You know what I mean? You, you just, you're either working longer or you're, you know, selling your home and living in a single room apartment or something like that. At some point, you don't want to put yourself in that situation And I get these calls all the time, especially from single moms that, that they start making some money and they're like, okay, and I want to save for my kid's college. I'm like, first of all, that'd be the worst thing you can do because the, what you save outside of your retirement accounts or your home is eligible for the expected family contribution by saving money in your kid's name, you can screw up their financial aid. So You've got, there's, we actually have really great software at EP Wealth. We have a, a guy, Mike Ramirez. It's amazing at educational planning and finding, helping find scholarships, grants, loans, comparing different loan options and things like that. There's a lot of things you can do out there. Um,
0: that's good news seeing that my kid's going into seventh grade soon.
1: Yeah. I would, if, if, if Rob, if my kid wanted to go get a degree in poetry without a solid plan that I want to be a professor at a certain university or yeah. something like that, I'm not paying. You go ahead and take your loans off all you want for that one. You know what the crazy thing about professors
0: are is tenure. That's a system we need to end. Yeah. Where you get to stay in a job forever and ever if you get published 45 times. And the only people who are buying these publications are other tenured professors. And you <laughs> exactly. And, you get to go in and shake up the world at the education at the school and you're 80 years old and you're trying to fight for all ele- of tenure has to end.
1: Ten-year, and and if if your students know what your political affiliations are, unless you're in some sort of a poli-sci class or something like that, that needs to end as well. Hmm. Why do you say that? Because you should be teaching. You shouldn't be be pushing your belief systems on kids. They need to figure that out themselves.
0: That went right over my head. Mm. So I'm looking at a picture of uh, Vanna White right now. So she's (laughs) been working for (laughs) 38 years. (laughs) Still looking good? (laughs) <laughs> She's either had a good surgeon or good genes So uh,
1: I, I bet her and Pat just wait for those times when somebody just says they look at a uh, the the missing letters and they say something completely vulgar instead of guessing the right word. It's just there's all sorts of memes on on uh, Jeopardy or not Jeopardy, Prices Right, whatever it is. The there's a great episode by of By Your
0: There's a great episode of Family Guy where the dad. Is on Jeopardy. And the clue is in space, G G E R. And he said the word you can't say. And the, the answer yep. was nagger. Someone who nags too much.
1: Yeah, that's the show where the whole family was shunned. And, you know, <laughs> and so, it's, yep. it's. Would you go on Wheel of Fortune? Would I? Yeah. Okay. See, I'm more of a price it right guy kind of guy. I would, I'd, I'd do them, I think it'd be all fun. So I would not go on. Let's make a deal because I'm not dressing up stupid. I'm sorry. I'm just not I'm not gonna do that one.
0: Yeah, I don't get that show. So we got under a minute. Last thoughts on 529 plans saving for college. Any anything that we need to know?
1: Yeah, have your retirement on track first, first and then when you it. set a target for how much money you're gonna save for your kids' college. Um, I used to say save about 85 in you know don't fully fund education with a 529 plan because let's say you get to college age and all of a sudden there's grants, loans and everything else. Um, I'm lowering that to 75% going forward because of some of the great software and capabilities and potential that there might be, you know, some loan forgiveness for colleges and things like that. So you you need to set a target. You need to be aware of how much the college that you want your kid to go to costs and then set a target to only save maybe about 75% of that number. Huh?
0: Kind of like the way you're working this into uh, financial modules and in the math of it all, because
1: again, I'm not a financial
0: planner, and that's big picture kind of stuff. What do you think about the website Saving for College? Have you ever looked at it? It's it's run by Bankrate.com, and it kind of teaches people about 529 plans and
1: various plans that are out there. Oh, Savings Saving for College, I didn't even realize that they were owned by Bankrate as well. It's a great site. I mean, you can look at 529 plans and. Uh, that in CollegeBoard.com. That's where you can, can kind of get help with financial aid situations and getting educated on it, and expected family contributions, and um, things like okay, if 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 the grandparents are going to help, maybe that's best to help in the in the last year versus the first year because of financial aid calculations. It's a whole realm of financial planning is uh, educational planning
0: college is a big expense thank you very much it's cfp chad burton you can find him online at chad burton.com i'm rob black find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to rob black's twitter his handle is at rob black show listen to rob black and your money weekday mornings 7 to 9 on am 1220 kdow welcome back in rob black and your money you can always find me online at robblackshow.com other ways of finding me as well, KDOW. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton, financial planner. We've got a 25 year plus partnership, roughly going. We work with EP Wealth. You're the financial planner. I talk big concepts on accumulating wealth. I think you boil down to managing wealth, but you also do much, much more than that. Uh, quick question for you: Estate planning is part of financial planning. Like I think I've heard you say a couple times before, Chad. That financial planning, that picking stocks is probably the easiest part of financial planning. And I don't want to say the word easiest, but it's probably the, it, it goes smooth or something like that is the right idea. Um, estate planning, we don't want to die. And it's funny because my thoughts of how I would have planned my estate 10 years ago, different than today. And I'm guessing in 10 years from now, it'd probably be different again. Um, so it, it seems like a fluid concept. What is estate planning and what do we need to know?
1: Well, estate planning, it's two parts, two pieces. So if you're incapacitated while you're living, something bad happens and you can't function, okay. then you have to have the proper documents in place to have somebody step in and handle your affairs for you. So that's power of attorney, health care directive. Should
0: I have that yet?
1: Yeah. I mean, if you have—if you go to an attorney and you get a basic package you're, in California, you're going to get a, a, a trust, okay. a will, a health care directive, power of attorney at a minimum. You'll have all those documents.
0: And roughly 50 is the right age to be doing that or earlier?
1: No. I mean, as soon as you have assets in California or kids, that's when you need to have a, a, a minimum of a will, right? Because the, the will, he says, okay, if something happens and I die, who's going to take care of my kids. And then if I have life insurance and other assets, who's going to take care of the money? It doesn't have to be the same person, but that's some of the hard, that's That issue right there, the kids and the money. That's mm-hmm. what delays most people from going in and getting the documents done, because I don't know. it's hard. I'll like, I'll be well, honest I with like it. my sister, but I don't like her husband or <laughs> I like my brother, but I don't like the wife, you know <laughs> so it's all sorts of things go through people's heads. It's, it's interesting that you
0: say that because that hits home, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners right now are going, that hits home for me too.: Yeah. How do you get over that? Because I don't want to even do a state plan because I don't like going to attorneys
1: yeah i mean it's the that's the toughest thing is that if you're if you have young kids getting over who would take care of them something change you you eventually got to get something down so you can get the documents in place, yeah, but you can change it so if you have a a living trust it's it's a revocable living trust, so you can amend it all the time i mean we're tend we tend to do amendments to these things every two years or so, okay, whether it's either changing tax law or family dynamics change. Right. So you do s- kids, kids become 18, kids graduate, kids get married. So all of a sudden, okay, this kid where, where we didn't know how they were going to handle money when they're younger. Now we know they're good with money. So we don't have to tie up the money as much. If I pass away, they can get it outright instead of having it tied up in a trust for years and years.
0: It's so the documents
1: are very amendable. You should be meeting with your attorney every couple of years.
0: It's fascinating that you bring this up because it, it just brought back memories. And I'm sure this is going to happen for a lot of people when I first got married and had kids. I wanted to like where are the kids gonna go if we die in a plane? Let's go to Mexico. Let's let's keep our marriage happy, but let's get a, an estate plan going. And she wanted the kids to go to her sister. And I don't really like the brother-in-law. Like the just loser again. Hopefully they're not listening right now. Guy <laughs> still doesn't have a job after eight years. How do you not have a job living in L.A. for eight years? I don't know. But um, I don't want my kids going <laughs> hey, to hear to Uber Eats, bro. <laughs> <laughs> he, it's a, beneath him. He won't, no, he won't doesn't do sound it.
1: like it to me. <laughs> I hear
0: you. I hear it. but I didn't want the kids going there. I wanted. Him, we And we fought about it and we didn't get a divorce, but we were, it was stressful. And then we both looked at our neighbor and we go, you've got two beautiful kids. Would you do it? And it, it, it was in our community and it made more sense and it felt more right. Now, again, some people are going to hate that idea. Kids being raised by neighbors, but it could be kids being raised by your Wolves. church. Wolves <laughs> is a fine <laughs> one too. <laughs> Yeah, uh, were you raised by wolves?
1: I was, yes.
0: What's what's your weirdest story about parenting They're Like they did something totally the wrong. Like mine is TV dinners. I think we had way too many TV dinners. we had way too many just crap <laughs> crap frozen food. Uh
1: don't don't get me started. Okay. Through, my mom was married three times and I moved 14 times by the time I was 16. So <laughs> I let, let's just say I've been buying my own school clothes since I was nine years old with a paper route. Good for you. <laughs> my mom is amazing by the way it's just that we just never had money and she had bad luck with guys
0: I, I dated a girl who and this is devolving very quickly but her stepfather so her mom got divorced remarried the mom doted on him and like she would be like he gets two servings before anyone gets one and people become bitter about that that step parent and nuclear family kind of situation how does that come into estate planning in your opinion
1: because, oh, that's really important. Okay. And, um, you know, having been through it myself or a second marriage, the kids never, ever, ever like the spouse. It just ruined the, the marriage, right? That's family dynamics are huge. I mean, it's, it's a, will this thing survive or not it has to do with kids and everything else, but then let's say, okay, fine. You're empty nesters and then people get married later in life. And then all of a sudden you have two people with kids from previous marriage and you love each other a lot, but, you've built this wealth already Mm -hmm. and people have to realize okay i'm i'm married and it's the second marriage third marriage whatever it may be and i've got all these assets so number one was there a prenup hopefully there is, right number two how do you protect your kids because what if you died everything goes to your current spouse but then they get remarried and that person has their own set of children and all of a sudden Money that was supposed to be d- divided between your two or three kids is now being divided among nine to 12 kids. Wow. You know what I mean? So I'm... the state planning is very important on those second, third marriages. I've got a real story. And again, hopefully they're not listening.
0: Um, they're not clients or anything like that. So don't worry. But her name's Kelly. Um, she went to Yale, uh, Stanford kind of person, you know, uh, high education her and her brother were expecting to inherit a lot of money from their mom and dad. Last second, the dad gets divorced. Now she's like 45 years old, Kelly. Parents get divorced. Dad remarries a younger woman. Totally writes the kids out of the will. No estate coming. She's been goofing off for 20 years of her life. She's got a great education, but she's been goofing off, saved no money. And she went from living in the Los Gatos Hills to, to living in Phoenix with her mom. Uh, <laughs> it just blew up. yeah. Yeah. So the kids thought they were on track for a lot of money and the dad went with a younger wife. Everyone was written out. I think they got like a courtesy hundred thousand dollars. But it was supposed to be like forty million. I'll, I'll take a hundred thousand
1: dollars if anyone <laughs> wants to leave it to me in their estate. Yeah, really, that's cur- that's nice courtesy, but not when it's forty million dollars. But yeah, and there's such easy ways to do it. Like if you're in that situation, you're 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 remarried, and you're like, okay, well, I love this person, so if I happen to pass away early, I want to make sure that they're taken care of. They have enough income to support the lifestyle. Maybe they can even stay in this house until they die or want to sell it. But then it goes to my kids. Okay, there's there's specific types of trusts that you can use to do that.
0: Would you do that? Would you get complicated with your trusts and set up like um, if I die, like, for instance, let's use me and my wife. If she dies, um, we could have a trust that says it all goes to the kids. It doesn't go to the second wife or things like that. Would you put stipulations in?
1: Well, most trusts are like that. So when you go through the process, you you learn about these things. And so when you have a living trust, let's say it's you and your wife, you have a living trust and Typically, a minimum of three trusts are created for people that have a lot of assets. I didn't know that. When when the first person dies, you have some money that goes into what's called a bypass or credit shelter trust to save estate taxes to to shelter the credit of the first person that died. Because we all have a certain amount of money that we can leave to our heirs without any estate tax. And so that amount right now is $11 million. You can put up to $11.5 million into this thing. So you could put up put enough into that trust and, and the surviving spouse can take income from that to, to let live, but she can't change the beneficiaries, Rob. That would then go to your kids. And then there's also the marital trust, which is if there's anything left over that that after the bypass is funded and you want to protect your half of your community property, that would go into that. Same thing, your wife could have income from that. But then she can't change the beneficiaries. That's 100% going to go to your kids when you pass away What do you, think or about, you say.
0: What do you think about this dilemma? Or am I being a jerk? I've got one kid who's really, really sweet, and he's probably going to marry the first person that loves him. <laughs> and I'm worried that she's going to get divorced after you realizing that he doesn't know how to pick up his towels. And then she's going to get half of what I left him. How do I protect him from a bad marriage? Which... I've been in one. I was in a marriage that lasted under a legal year, which is the shortage marriage that I know of other than annulments by Nick Cage. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a good
1: comparison when you're comparing
0: your marital life to Nick Cage. Oh boy. How do you protect kids from a Uh, a bad spouse situation, which we all have had?
1: Yep. So um, what I talk to clients that have a lot of assets is when they leave money to kids, it, it gets left into a trust. Okay. And, the problem is is i think most attorneys have this thing where okay it goes into a trust but when the kids 25 they get a quarter then 30 they get another quarter of it 35 another quarter but so by 40 they're everything's distributed into that person's name and if they get married and they start commingling that with mm. you know homes and things like that that they bought cuz as soon as you get married the money that you earn your w2 wages and and earnings, forward growth on your retirement account contributions and things like that, that's that's community property. And so as long as you keep property separate that you have going into a marriage or have that you inherit even while you're married and you keep that very separate and you don't commingle it, that could be protected from divorce. Um, so what I like to have happen is that typically a trust a professional trustee in place until the kid's like 40 45 somewhere around in there and then they can actually become their own trustee and yeah they Got lose it. a lot of liability if they're sued or whatever but to me that's a crock i've never had a client in 26 years ever been sued for more than what their normal coverage is or umbrella so Thanks. i just don't buy that
0: cfp chad Burton. find him at chadburton.com.
1: Find the link to the other version of the podcast by
0: going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and your money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. My son once asked me, would you sell me for a million dollars? And I said, not in a million billion years. I love you. He Followed up, would you sell me for $2 And I said, in this economy, sorry, dude, you're out. Everything has a price. Joining me now, CFP, Chad Burton. Chad and I have a long history. Um, he's a certified financial planner. You can find him at chadburton.com. He does a podcast that's wonderful and filled with financial insights and nuggets, as well as some living well tips and hence, Chad, earn money, save money, invest money. Which one of the three would you choose? Uh, if you could only choose one,
1: If I could only choose one. Yes. <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, Fair. let's see. Save would probably be the last because I picture that just going into a savings account that earns hardly anything.
0: I think but more like see. coupons
1: saving money. Coming no, back on vacation—that's still spending money. I hate that, but okay. it's on sale. It's still spending money. <laughs> I'm with you. Everything's always on sale. Um. I- so investing is most important because you can earn more and more, but eventually you have to stop earning money. So you are going to wish you invested it. So I guess invest more money.
0: Okay. You want to follow up on why you like investing, uh, compounded interest, money doubles every 7.2 years, um, earn money while you're on vacation, sitting on a beach with a tropical drink in your hand. What do you like about investing?
1: Uh, the thing I like about stocks, especially for people that don't that like that term passive income or financial freedom, is that there's a whole group of stocks called dividend achiever stocks that have a history of increasing their dividend by an average of ten percent a year. Not every year, but on average, mm-hmm. you know, they might go a year or two without one, and then all of a sudden a twenty percent raise in their dividend. And the funds and ETFs that concentrate on that also look at things like free cash flow and debt ratios and, and realize that you can buy these companies even when you go through a bad economy like 08 and 09 you see those dividends increase so you can actually have income go up during really rough parts of the economy so a lot of stocks that fit that criteria even in 08 and 09 when the market was down at one point nearly 50 percent if you didn't need to sell anything you were just living off the dividends you actually had higher income I like Very it. few of those companies cut their dividend. When the cut stock cuts their dividend, you usually want to exit that stock. Now, COVID was a little different because that was a shutdown, like a purposeful shutdown. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, that was financially savvy. To okay, we're not going to pay a dividend because we're shutting down. We're we're like we're going to survive this the right way. Um, <clears throat> so it's going to be interesting to see how some funds deal with that. But that just love that passive income. That idea that I'm going to have dividends that tend to increase, real estate income that tends to increase. And I'll save enough, I'll invest enough until I know that, hey, these dividends and this income, this net income from our real estate, that's enough. I don't need to go to work anymore.
0: Let me ask a little follow-up on the dividend achievers. When Bill and Melinda Gates announced their divorce, there was a headline that was pretty sensational. Melinda Gates now sipping off 200 million shares of Coca-Cola. And I kind of see... Coca-Cola is a dividend achiever. Slowly but surely, they grow. They increase their dividend a little bit here or there. I don't know if they are a dividend achiever. I'm just assuming for the sake of the story. But their dividend achievers tend to be great companies that we've known for 25 years because they have that track record of increasing their business. Do you like investing in great companies or do you like investing in kind of like the up-and-coming Pelotons or the next new thing, um, for lack of a
1: better word? Right. Well, yeah. I mean, first of all, eventually those really great companies you're going to buy those companies that have something new. Yep. So you're going to end up with it anyway. Coke Body Armor. Uh, yeah. Or- Perfect. I mean, you're, you're going to tend to have thirty, forty percent of your portfolio in those large, well-known companies, but you need to have, you know, ten, fifteen percent for most people in the small cap space, which is where you find those innovators. Okay. Um So you're going to end up with that anyway if you have proper asset allocation, which is large-cap, small-cap, mid-cap, international emerging markets. So the small and mid-space and the international emerging markets, that's where you're going to find those innovators typically.
0: With that said, I find that dividend achievers are easy. Um, You can go Google 25 dividend achievers, dividend achievers ETFs, and you can find list of companies that have that nice history of increasing their business, nice – a little bit more capital, a little bit more share with these shareholders – um, does that take a little of the mystery away for people? And that's why they don't tend to own these blue chip names?
1: Does the index take away? Is no, it no, it
0: is the the fact that it's almost boring. Like, when I heard Melinda Gates owns Coca-Cola, I'm like, boring? I thought she'd be owning some sort of artificial intelligence cyberkinetic semiconductor chip that you could put in your head and control people.
1: <laughs> we, you know, to go, what's, what's shocking to me about that is that I would figure that they're like, oh my gosh, soda is so bad for the population; it well kills sad. so many people every year. Why would I invest in that? That's what I would have expected out of Bill and Melinda. I just, I don't get that one. But anyway, um, where was I going with that? I can, I could take it a until different I lost direction. track. <laughs> Here's a
0: different <laughs> direction on it. No one thought Bill and Melinda were going to get a divorce. Um, and divorce is a, a financial process. It, it's a word you've used earlier process what do you think about how we approach financial planning and processes whether it's saving for our kids planning for not planning for divorce but executing a divorce financially intelligently Um, is that part of the financial planning job that you like of helping people through these
1: life life events yep i was just pulled into a divorce trial yesterday tell me can, can you tell me or is this not good for air no, it's good for air. I mean, it, it's uh it was a second marriage prenup was in place. And so it, it was very uh, difficult tracking because a lot of things happened with different retirement accounts in yeah. terms of uh, company purchases and rollovers and investing in, in uh, uh, private equity inside of it. So it was a lot of property tracing to match the prenup. And, um, you know, one spouse didn't believe the other spouse in terms of what the values were. And they spent another $20,000 proving that the number was the number and it was all based on trust. So in terms of what I learned from that, because we always talk to people about second marriages and prenups is when you're going into a marriage with assets Mm -hmm. um, and how you can protect that, keep things separate when it comes to retirement accounts and you want to lock that number in pre-marriage, it's like, okay, maybe I'll take what I already have in my 401k and put it into a brokerage link account. So if you have a fidelity uh, managed 401k or Schwab, they have brokerage accounts you can hide that in there and have it managed and not not it's not hiding it's just separating it from the other fund choices so you can clearly right. know what was yours. Good stuff. It's CFP Chad Burton. You can hear conversations like
0: this, insights, much much more with his podcast. You can find that at chadburton.com. It's New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. Lots of great downloadables at the website. Check it out, do a little perusing.